0: Since the dawn of time, fairy tales have been part of human history, culture, and religion. Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, Cinderella, Bigfoot. Some fairy tales are harmless. Others are sinister. But in reality, there are four things all fairy tales have in common. Number one, they are used to influence, shape opinions, and manipulate thoughts. And number two, they're good for business. Yeah. Third, they tap into emotions such as fear, anger, and hope. Finally. Fairy tales are not real. Welcome to Bigfoot Logic, a podcast where we highlight a new breed of fairy tales. Fairy tales you can find not in a Disney movie, but on CNN, Fox
1: News, and other for-profit news publications.
0: Fairy tales created by politicians, companies, and shared across social media platforms. Fairy tales that were created by big business for big business, for people in power that want to stay there. Join us, fellow logisticians,
1: as we seek to expose fairy tales, myths, Legends and lies in the news of today.
0: We'll talk about the facts and influences, people and power brokers, and connect some dots so you can see where, who's connected to who and what, and how the news of the day benefits and serves corporate greed, political will, and personal agendas. The facts you need to make informed, logical decisions so that you can make these decisions on your own. Not from us, on your own. Bigfoot logic is everywhere. Let us be your guides. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Bigfoot Logic. I'm Jaded. This is my good friend, Abel. Um, Abel, tell us what we're doing here on Bigfoot Logic and why we wanted to start a podcast to talk about these issues.
1: Well, Jaded, uh, Bigfoot Logic is a term that you and I came up with recently to describe some of the crazy things we're seeing in the news around us. Um, And the way that I would describe it is Bigfoot Logic is, is kind of like an art and a science that uses storytelling techniques like you'd see in a fairy tale backed up by shoddy science or facts that are maybe taken out of context in such a way that it influences perceptions or opinions in a way that benefits someone typically for profit. Right, is it's, that? Is that how you would describe it as well?
0: I think so. I think I think it's it's you have to look at the news is motivated by one thing and that's readership and profits. And the the news being generated is often created by companies that are looking to to make a profit or influence you for a decision that benefits them. Um, and I think I, I think it's a slippery slope. I think it's it's hard to tell, right? Especially when the news goes from a source like CNN or New York Times and gets populated and distorted across the social media. So you know, Bigfoot Logic will be you know, sometimes intentional from how the The news is covering things to how the studies and reports are created to then how it's shared.
1: Do you think it would be helpful to give everyone a quick primer in terms of how news organizations make their money? Sure. Where they generate their profits from?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and start with that?
1: Yeah, so uh, essentially, if there's any product that is free, you are the product. There's a reason that news is free to watch for you. And that's because news organizations make their money from advertisers. Advertisers, of course, pay news organizations to place ads during the news broadcast. And the more people who are viewing an article or watching a TV show, the more those news organizations can charge for ads. Um, So that's how they make their money is more clicks, more watchers makes them more valuable to advertisers.
0: Right. And how do they find their news? That's actually an important part, too. How do, how do news outlets find the news they use to tell the stories they tell?
1: Well, you, you and I are personally pretty familiar with this, right? Since we, that's actually how we met. Um, but typically, large corporations will hire either internally, they'll have a public relations team, and or they will have a public public relations agency. Usually it's both. Um, and those uh, public relations teams and agencies are responsible for getting that company coverage in the news. Is that an accurate summary?
0: It is, it is. And you know, certainly reporters and producers use PRP plus sources, especially when they can share data they have in studies. Um, having helped create hundreds of studies over my career, um, and I did start working my my career at a pack at DC, is the reality is you can have, you can find any trend or study, or you can have a study tell any type of story you want to tell if you ask the right questions or if you splice the data a certain way. And I just think that's important for people to realize, especially when you're looking at studies or stories that use stats like 85% or 32% or whatever the number is, because realize that data can be sliced a thousand different ways based on how the person that's trying to influence you wants you to think Right, it reminds me of a saying
1: I've, I've heard before: uh, figure, "Numbers and figures don't lie, but liars can figure." Correct. Um,
0: <laughs> exactly, hundred percent. And I think there's a difference too. It's, it's you know, it's you know, we. So the challenge I think people have today is they don't know what to believe. I, I don't think people believe politicians. I don't think people necessarily believe the news. Um, but the reality is that's the only source of information they have. So either you cut it all off and, and live in a vacuum. Or you have to develop the skills to, to understand what's true and what's likely news that benefits someone or something. Is that fair? I think that's fair, and I don't think it's really that
1: difficult. Do you? I mean, I think it's something that any anyone is capable of doing if they if they know what
0: to look for. I think it's. I, I do think it's more difficult than that. I think it's. I, I think part of that is because that that, that thing we talked about in the intro is that the news is often generated to evoke an emotion, right? And it's fear, it's hope, it's doubt, it's uncertainty, and and that plays, that goes right, that that you know slashes right through your logical brain to your emotional brain, and your emotional brain is concerned, is worried, and and then, and there's a lot of things that happen in the world today that we're dealing with on the that that are important, right? That that need to be addressed, that you need to understand, um, but you know, a, a good symbol, our good a good standard is when. And the news outlet or the person speaking uses words that tend to be, that you wouldn't use in a normal conversation, right? Exaggerated adjectives that that are heightened, right? It's a travesty. It's um, devastating. It's the worst ever. Like those type of things are meant to influence you You and go go bypass your logical centers, go straight to your emotional centers. And that should be a red flag to, okay, let me stop back and listen to what they're saying and see if what they're saying makes sense. Um, so the, so maybe that's a good point for talking about why we decided to call this podcast, this podcast, Bigfoot Logic.
1: Yeah. So um, I actually, personal experience, I uh, became interested in Bigfoot about a year ago. One of my buddies had uh, reached out um, and he was either depressed bored, or some combination thereof. And he was, watching all these Bigfoot videos during the depths of uh, COVID isolation. And um, he he and I have been friends our entire life, so we can talk pretty openly. He called me, and he's he's convinced that Bigfoot is real. And at one point, he he sent me a text, like, randomly. I was was actually in North Carolina visiting friends. And in the backseat of a car, I still remember, I got a text. uh, Hey, I think it's possible that Bigfoot is not a primate but an alien. Oh, okay yeah. I read it aloud to everybody in the car. They thought it was hilarious, but he was dead serious. He was starting to believe that Bigfoot was real. And so he, he, he asked me to look into it and, you know, give him my opinion that I think Bigfoot was real. I started watching some of these videos. I had to pause them, uh, like 20 minutes in two different videos by two different guys. Um, because I thought it was satire. It was so ridiculous. It was so over the top. It was using these same sort of, Storytelling, overly dramatic um, characteristics that Jaded was talking about earlier to convince people that Bigfoot was real. Um, And the conclusion that I came to is Bigfoot, it's not a big business like news, but it's a business. There are people who have TV shows, there are people who make a living bringing people on tours to uh, look for Bigfoot. So it's, all, it's the same sort of thing that we're talking about here in a small microcosm. Um, and that's why we, we came up with the term Bigfoot logic. Does that, does that sound about right, Jaded?
0: It does. It does. And we have Bigfoot logic and we'll have sometimes when we talk about Bigfoot science, especially in this first episode. But I want to give an example of how um, it, why I resonated with this. Because um, when you first approached me about this idea and had me read your, your, um, the outline for this, I've, because honestly I didn't pay enough attention. I, I looked at it and I thought it was about Bigfoot, which I thought I was always interesting because of the sort of the, the fairy tale that it involves Bigfoot and, and whether he exists or not. And then I actually, when I opened it up and we had our call, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute, this is about something different. And I think it's, it's so, it, it resonated with me because, you know, my first job was with a crisis communication firm. Right. And I remember one of the things that struck me, it was a, it was a internship actually in college and. Um, the big client was Philip Morris and they had a celebration because it was when Philip Morris was included in a lawsuit from a husband, whose wife had died from cancer and they were exonerated because she wasn't smoking their brand. When, when when she first started smoking, she wasn't smoking their brand before labels came on that said it was dangerous. And so they were celebrating. And so it was just, and the firm was celebrating. And I just thought that was so odd. Um, and then out of college, one of my first jobs was with a crisis management firm. And it was interesting to see what people thought was a crisis and then how they, um, how they worked on it, right? How they address it. And you know a lot of people go immediately to putting their head in the sand or they go on the um, aggressive path and create information. Some of it is FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt-based meant to influence you and distract, right? There's a lot of distraction that goes on in the news today. And, and the story that always stuck with me is, I don't remember how old I was, but it was, it was probably early in my career. There was a narrative that was going through the news about the types of women who got breast implants, and, and the, it was a study. And the study was that said they were, they were likely to have X amount of um, sexual partners. They were likely to smoke. They were likely to drink these many drinks per week. And it was, it was all these things that would make you think a woman who got breast implants was was morally corrupt. And and people were, I heard people talking about it, and I was like, wait a minute, what's going on in the world today that would that would benefit someone for you for people to believe that women who got breast implants were morally corrupt? People like, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, think about it. what's happening in the news today. What's happening in real time as we as we exist that that you that someone having someone think a woman was morally corrupt or a suspect um, would benefit them. And people are like, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, well, the one thing that's happening that I'm aware of is there are a bunch of lawsuits because the breast implants women trusted their doctors to implant were were faulty, right? And there are lawsuits today. Um, and right now, one of the things they're doing is they are seeding the juries for those lawsuits. So it certainly would be in the companies who made the breast implants who are getting sued to have anyone that was getting in a jury jury to already be prejudiced that the women that, that are bringing this lawsuit against them were, weren't good people, right? And, you know, I never so, did, and I never did the research to make sure that those two things went together, but that's what I would have done. I mean, as a person in a crisis management firm or a person yeah. persuasion communications firm, that's what I would have done. And I, I just think there's a lot of that that goes on today. And, and, and um, I think it's you have to apply that critical thinking
1: right so i i don't know much about the breast implant industry um i assume it's a profitable one or it drives revenue for some some people do you know have any sort of sense for how how big that market is
0: it's uh, i actually don't know how big the market is but i just, i mean my point wasn't in terms of profits or it was they were guarding themselves against lawsuits so that they would have a more favorable jury pool to pull from um and right.
1: this was i, I this understand was years i, I ago. guess w- where I was going with that is, I think relative to some of the industries that we're going to talk about in some of these episodes, uh, the breast implant industry is probably small fries. You know, I don't think it, it oh, wow. it's at the same scale as some of the large pharmaceuticals. So,
0: oh, I don't know. Is, this is this is da- I mean, this was like Dow, you know, Dow and Corning. It was, it was uh, big. It was big companies. Whether whether it was, I mean, there was silicon and there was. It was it was big money. Um. I mean, I think the lawsuits that would be given up, people were... And we can go back and post some links to stories about this. It was millions of dollars they were getting sued for, for juries, and they wanted to taint those juries. Right. So that's just the idea. is It's just when you hear things that are so slanted in the opinion, look to see who benefits from that slant.
1: Yeah. yeah. In right? this case, the, the people you know threatened with million-dollar lawsuits around breast implants.
0: Right. So... Is, so I think we both can agree that this is happening. Right? Yes,
1: 100%. Right. And so before we get into the specifics of the episode, does it make sense to give a little bit of background in terms of who we are and how we know each other? Sure. Um, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, we go way back. We've known each other, what, 20 years? Something like that. Appro- approximately. Um, so, uh, Jaden actually hired me for my first job out of, out of college, um, to work at a, at a, at a incorporated company. We won't name specifics, but he hired me to work in public, public relations. I still not really sure why I had zero experience. I was a shy, insecure, sort of a kid fresh out of college. Um, but I was thankful for the opportunity It led me to a pretty successful career in the corporate
0: world. Yeah, no, I think it's, and, you know, I saw something in you and I like to hire aspirationally. I think, you know, I hire for people, people based on what I think they can accomplish and and achieve. Um, And I think you had a good sense of, uh, one I remember is you're a very strong writer. Um, And that's always a a thing that's that's important uh, for any communications field, whether you're in crisis communications, public relations, marketing, advertising, any of the type of organizations or service groups that are, they really are designed to, to influence and persuade. Um, right. I, right. So yeah, well, I, I still remember, I don't even know
1: if you remember this, but I still remember. And I've, I've told this story to people since I was, I, I was, I must have been nervous or about something, some project or deadline that I had coming up and I went into your office and you could sense that I was nervous. Um, and you said to me, you know, don't worry, you're gonna be fine because I know you're smart. And there are not that many smart people who work in PR.
0: <laughs> um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna back out of that one. There's a lot of smart people that work in PR. Um, but I think there's I, I, I think there's a lot of people that work in, in PR and marketing. I think that the testament that they are smart is that you're seeing this influence being being shown across reporters. And this is not the bad not reporters, it's not the bad to bad mouth PR people, it's just it's just a, a reality that you have to look at the sources of, of where stories came from. You have to look at who benefits when there's an obvious slant. I think that's what's key. Yeah, I agree. So, what do you think? Um, so, what are we talking about today? What is the issue that we're concerned about? We think there's probably some slant or some, some profit driven narrative to the, to the news we're seeing today. Um, well, at a, high, at a high level, it's
1: it's related to COVID, but it's probably not as, it's not what you might think when you say that. We're not conspiracy theorists. Um, I'm vaccinated.
0: I'm vaccinated. Yeah, we're all vaccinated. It has nothing to do with vaccinations. It has nothing to do with COVID being a threat to public health or criticism of how, how anyone has managed the COVID pandemic, right? It was unexpected. It was um there was a lot done by a lot of really smart people to get vaccines created and 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 people vaccinated. You know, the the part of the challenge in that is overcoming fear, uncertainty, and, and doubt that was certainly played out in some of the news sources. Neither neither um Abel and I, or um, far left or far right. We're not I'm a registered independent. Um I vote for the candidate the person, I don't vote for by party. Um but there was something that happened over the last couple of weeks with the Omicron variant that I've, to me, smacked of Bigfoot logic. And, and if it's okay, I'm going to go through some dates and then we can, um, we'll, we'll post this timeline as well. Um, but I think it was interesting in terms of how the, the narrative shaped on, on the Omicron virus and, and how people quickly jumped to, um, to say things and do things that didn't make a lot of logical sense. Um, is that fair?
1: Yeah, that's totally fair. And, and when you first pointed this out to me and started sending me a couple of the articles, it, w- it was immediately clear that this is a perfect example of what we're talking about. We're recording in early December. And I think this this is still happening as we're, as we're speaking. So we'll go through some of this timeline, but I think there's probably more to come. I don't think the story's over.
0: I, I don't either, Thank you. But, I, but I think one of the things that we should talk about too, but as, as you start to to listen to the timeline in this, there's a couple facts you probably need to know before um, before you go through it, so you can listen to it, this filter. Now, um, this is the filter that we were that, that caused the triggers to go off in our minds. So who is, so in case anyone doesn't know, um, there are things called lobbyists, and lobbyists spend a lot of time and money trying to influence policy and they meet with uh, politicians and their staff, and they help um, influence the way thing, way bills are created. And they help under um, influence how public responses. They lobby to um, every single group imaginable. Um, who is the number one lobbying industry, or what is the number one lobbying industry in the U.S.?
1: Um, pharmaceuticals by far are the, are the largest.
0: How much do pharmaceuticals spend on lobbying each year in the US?
1: Um, it's something to the tune of $3 billion, $3 billion with a B. That's just in the US. Do you know what the second highest, uh, the, se- the industry that spends the second most
0: on? What is the second?
1: Second is in- insurance companies, insurance. the insurance industry.
0: Okay. So pharmaceuticals and insurance. So that's important to understand. So, and, and another thing to understand is the amount of profit that is tied to the COVID pandemic um, that is being generated by the pharmaceutical companies. Pfizer announced in November, just last month, that they were making, um, let's see, they announced, according to the New York Times, on November 2nd, Pfizer's COVID vaccine could break sales records again next year. Right, with its coronavirus vaccine on track to generate record, uh, the biggest single year sales ever for a medical product, Pfizer on Tuesday disclosed revenue projections indicating the shot will likely beat the record, that record in, or come close in 2022. Okay, it expects its vaccine to bring in 36 billion in revenue this year. Just this one vaccine. Yes, just this vaccine. Pfizer said it has already reached supply levels worth $29 billion in revenue for its vaccine next year, covering 1.7 billion shots. So it's important to remember this. It is easier for a company to go back to an existing customer than to create a new customer. Okay? So if 50% of the population, 55%, 65% in some places is vaccinated, those are probably not likely going to be customers because they've gotten their two-dose vaccine, right? So if you look at the model, if people have their two-dose of vaccine, which is the Pfizer product or the Moderna product, those customers shouldn't be customers again because everything they've told us, you know, it's not the science that everyone talked about. And that's the thing that drove me crazy with people saying, why well, follow the science? Is those those shouldn't be customers anymore. They then have to go after the 45%, 55%, whatever it is, that people who are unvaccinated to generate those um, 1.7 billion shots. Now that again, is just the U.S. that my percentages of, of people vaccinated. There are certainly countries that have a far smaller um, population of vaccinated people because of, of their ability to, to, to purchase the shot, the vaccines, distribute the vaccines, um, but the U.S. clearly has shown a willingness to to get the shot and to get boosters, so it is highly profitable for Pfizer to encourage people to get more than their two, right? To consume the virus, right. that the vaccines are creating, um, th- and so that's Pfizer. What what about Moderna? So Moderna is an interesting case,
1: but I, I was going to just I was going to make another point on that, which is. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's one of the things you learn in business school is it it costs a lot more to acquire a new customer than it does to um, maintain an existing customer. Um, And so here in the U.S., at least, you know, the people who are not getting vaccinated, it's almost, um, you know, it's almost a a belief level, right? Like they, they are probably not going to get vaccinated unless there is some sort of um, compelling event for them to do so. They're going to lose their job or the government is going to make them do that, which by the way, I don't think is ever going to happen. Um, so if you're a Pfizer and you know, you're making $36 billion on just this one vaccine, how do you mine that existing install base to generate more revenue? Those are the believers. Those are the people who've got the first vaccine. Um, and I think booster shots are one way. Yeah. Possibly.
0: Yeah. So it's so it's certainly so the thing that struck me here, and if you go, I'm going to go back to some news that came earlier this year, right? So this is news from let's see, let me find my dates here. Uh, again, we'll post this timeline with the episode, so you can see it um, on July. Let's see, on July 8th, and this is from NPR, and we'll always say the source of the information, so you can find the stories yourself. July 8th on NPR, despite new COVID variations, CDC says you don't need any booster doses right now. This is July 8th. Americans who have been fully vaccinated do not need a booster shot at this time, but a joint statement Thursday from the CDC and the um, Food and Drug Administration. The agencies added that people who are fully vaccinated are protected from severe illness and death, including the emerging variants such as highly contagious Delta variant that's now the dominant strain in the US and other countries. So that's July, 8th, okay. On September first, September first, um, there was the mu variant that was found, um, and the mu variant uh, could be more vaccine resistant. They said, and this is according to the United Nations. Um, uh, mu was first identified in Colombia in January 2021, and since then, it, there have been sporadic reports of cases and outbreaks in South America and Europe. While the global prevalence of Mu among sequenced COVID-19 cases is below 0.1%, its prevalence has consistently increased in Colombia and Ecuador, which is now responsible for about 39% or 13% of infections, respect, infections, respectively. Right? So Mu didn't make a lot of noise. And maybe it didn't make a lot of noise because it was in South America. South America. Maybe it didn't, maybe it didn't spread fast enough. Maybe it wasn't dangerous enough, but Delta continued to be the, the dominant. News driver. And I think a lot of people have gotten fatigued for the Delta news, right? People get fatigued for news, right? So, on where it starts to get crazy is on November 26th, the WHO labels new COVID strain Omicron designated as a variant of concern, okay? So, on Wednesday, WHO's COVID 19 technical lead, um, Dr. Ben Kirkov, said the information about the new, the now Omicron variant is still limited. There were fewer than 100 whole genome sequences available. We don't know very much about this yet. We know this is a variant with a large number of mutations. It's a concern. We don't know yet how it's going to impact the virus. How, how the virus behaves. She explained that researchers are currently trying to, to determine what these mutations are and what they potentially mean for diagnostics, therapeutics, and vaccines. It will take a few weeks for us to understand the impact. Okay, this is December, November 26th. It will take a few weeks. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's important.
1: That's a few weeks. There's another thing that is, is maybe not as important that as that, but I think it's kind of funny and interesting. Um, you know how the, the, the variants are named, like how they're following the naming convention. I don't. So they're going down the Greek alphabet. So all Delta is a Greek letter. Mu is a Greek letter. Omicron is a Greek a letter in the Greek alphabet but they skipped like three letters before they got to Omicron. <laughs> and I, going back to, you know, the premise around, you know, news needs to have a storytelling aspect and there needs to be a bit of fear generated. Like, I think Omicron sounds kind of scary. It sounds like, you know, something from Transformers or maybe like <laughs> aliens are invading the world. Like well, there was an intentional skipping of letters that were less boring, like Mew, and.
0: Well, they had new. new was, they, they found new in September.
1: So, yeah, there's new after mu. Yeah, and then I'm wrong. Right.
0: Right. So so again, on, on the 20th, so November 26th, so we're early December right now. Um, on CNN, CNN reports a new COVID variant could show immune evasion and enhanced transmis- transmissibility, South African scientists warn. It's also important to remember the reason it was discovered in South Africa is because I think they have two of the – the most um, trusted and respected labs in the world looking at this issue. Right? So it's not like it's it, it's anything other than they had really smart people studying COVID and they found it. Right. Before any other labs around the world are also that are also studying it, found it. Um, right, so CNN reported, let's see, that says a uh, quote from Professor Professor Oliviero, director of the Center for Epidemic Research Response Innovation, said the variant has many more mutations than we have expected. It is spreading very fast and we expect to see pressure in the health system in the next days or weeks. They said it could result in immune evasion and enhanced transmissibility of the virus, but added it's too early to tell what kind of impact mutations will have on vaccine efficacy. More studies also need to be conducted, again, on the 26th. Um, so also on the 26th, the World Health Organization cautions against travel limitations over new COVID variants. All right, so that's 26. What happens um, on the, oh, also on the 27th, the BBC interviewed the doctor who spotted it. Okay, and this is Dr. Angelique Cortese, the South African doctor who first spotted the new COVID variant. Um, Omicron says patients so far have had extremely mild symptoms, but more time is needed to know the seriousness of the disease for vulnerable people. So this is the interview. Dr. Cortez says, we haven't admitted anyone. And she's referring to, no one has been admitted to the hospital because of Omicron. Andrew Marr, who was the interviewer, said, do you think we're panicking unnecessarily in the US and UK? Dr. Cortez says, I think you already have in your country. And yes, at this stage, definitely saying you were definitely panicking unnecessarily. Maybe in two weeks, we'll say something different. So just so we're clear, we're just at that two weeks Point now, almost to that two weeks point now. Right. Um, right. So she's saying you're panicking unnecessarily. Right. On November 27th, the very next day, the New York governor declares a state of emergency because of the variant. Don't, don't panic. That. Don't panic, but it's an emergency. Save emergency. Right. Um, so also on the 27th, the highly contagious Omicron variant prompts new travel restrictions, even though the day before, who said don't do travel variation, uh travel restrictions, right? Um, and the um, let's see, they say, and, and the folk, the good folks in South Africa said, wait a minute, we're just the messenger here, right? But the U.S. and and multiple countries in Europe started having travel bans on travel to African countries, including South Africa, right? Right. And
1: in in that same article, um, it it quotes uh, infectious disease expert, Dr. Monica Gandhi, saying, number one, it doesn't look like it evades vaccines. Right. That will be important in the future.
0: Yes. Um, Also, then on the 28th um, from PBS, what we know and don't know about the new COVID variant um, even though, see, Peter Openshaw, a professor of experimental medicine at Imperial College London, said it was extremely unlikely that the current vaccines wouldn't work, knowing they are effective against numerous other variants. Even though some of the genetic, genetic changes Omicron appear worrying, it is still unclear if they will pose a public health threat. Some previous variants, like the beta variant, initially alarmed scientists, but they didn't end up spreading very far. So November 29th, so despite the fact that every single scientist, every single person of science has said it will take weeks to know what the effect is on the efficacy of vaccines, what does the CEO of Moderna say on the 29th, three days later? We,
1: will we be able to neutralize it and control it and contain it with current vaccines? Uh, we should know in a couple of weeks from laboratory experiments.
0: So that's what the CEO of, um, uh, the chief medical officer, Paul Burton, told the BBC. From He's from Moderna. Okay. Burton said Moderna has a three-part strategy to be ready for the mutated virus. Firstly, it's testing a higher dosage of it. Um, they're also going to start, he says, the Moderna booster authorized by the CDC and prevention is a, the, C, uh, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention is a 50 milligram dosage. They're now going to try a 100 milligram dosage, half of what the CDC authorized for the first two shots. Um, secondly, it's testing COVID-19 vaccine that could prevent against several mutated strains. And Thirdly, the company is working on an Omicron-specific booster vaccine.
1: Interesting. What, remember what the scientists said before?
0: They said they the- wouldn't know for weeks, but they're going to work on right. a vaccine specific to this strain. As opposed to, but they're also saying it looks like it might be okay under the current vaccines. But they're going to go ahead and research and get paid for a vaccine. Um, the well, that that's an interesting point. So, I think that
1: some people are confused between you know scientists who work at like the World Health Organization or who work for a university, and sci- scientists I'm using air quotes who work for a pharmaceutical company like Moderna. Um, I think there's an important distinction there. Um, would
0: you agree? I think so. I think because it, it just like we're not disputing their degrees or their training, um, but the agenda behind what they're doing is is certainly different.
1: Right, and that that's where I was going. If you're if you're a scientist who studies infectious disease for a university, you're likely tenured. You're likely chartered with following the science wherever it may lead you. If you're a scientist who works for someone like Moderna or Pfizer or any of these other companies that we're talking about, if you're going on the news and you're saying something your company doesn't want you saying, what what happens? I don't
0: know. So on the 29th, the same day, the CEO of Thermo Fisher, who makes a COVID test, came out and said, again, remember, scientists are saying it's too early to tell. And also, um, it should be noted, and I, I'll put a link to it, but the American Medical Association said there is no general public test that can detect a variant. They can detect COVID, but they cannot detect the variant specifically. Those are done through um, blood work and lab tests that are separate from what you get when you, um, when you just take a test at a CVS or Walgreens. The CEO of Thermo Fisher says his tag path COVID-19 assays can report accurate results even in the case where one of the gene targets is impacted by a mutation. So they can be used to do Omicron. So hey, everyone buy their test. They're they're prepared to increase production. Um, Dr. Fauci in the same story said, told ABC program this week that it's too early to say whether new mandates or lockdowns will be necessary to fake the variant. But of course, it's Two days before, the governor of New York state of emergency. Interesting.
1: Right. You wonder why people don't know who to trust or what to believe. Right. You have, you know, in the span of we're only three days in from when Omicron was first discovered by by scientists in South Africa. Now we have conflicting stories all over the place from government from government officials, from pharmaceuticals, and from scientists who are studying it.
0: On 29th, on the Guardian, President Biden's report to say the Omicron variant is a cause for concern, not panic, except in New York, where it's state of emergency. Um, the CDC on Monday, on that day, on that, the 29th, said all adults should get a COVID booster shot, strengthening the previous recommendations amid growing concerns from Omicron variant. But three days before, they'd said, we don't know if it's effective, if it, if it escapes or works with it. We have to test it more. But get a booster just in case it hits. Just in case it is covered. Get a booster. Just
1: in, just in case. I mean, it doesn't hurt.
0: Well, and Pfizer's also going to recommend, it's is playing to the same story. Pfizer's reportedly planning to request authorization from the FDA for its booster for 16 to 17 year olds. Again, let's go out to the market of people who've already gotten shots. Let's use those 1.7 million booster shots we've got prepared.
1: Right. Despite what did we read previously that all evidence is the variants seem to be covered by the existing vaccines, but let's see if we can sell some booster shots anyway.
0: Yeah, Um, and the New York Times number thirtieth tracking Omicron and other COVID COVID, COVID, uh, coronavirus variants. Um, Again, this is again New York Times. More research is needed to determine whether Omicron's collection mutations will enable the variant to evade immunity from vaccines or infections. It's also not clear whether disease it causes is more or less severe than other variants. Although the doctor who originally found it said there are no cases that have been admitted and they are extremely mild. Right Um, On the same day, according to BBC, President Biden says lockdown is not needed for now. He says, again, a cause for concern, not panic. Um, He says there's Cases have now been found in Canada, and the U.S. has imposed travel bans on eight Southern African countries, despite two days earlier, the Hussein bans aren't needed.
1: Well, and wasn't November 30th the same day the, the Dutch health authorities came out with a pretty interesting announcement?
0: They did. They said that it was the COVID variant was in Europe before South African scientists detected it and flagged it to the world. And you know what's not happened since then? There's not one travel ban to Amsterdam. Interesting. Why, so, the, why do you think that might be? I don't know, but there's no travel bans to Amsterdam, and there's travel bans still to Africa, the African countries.
1: Do you think it's an example
0: of Bigfoot logic? Maybe Africa I, sounds a little scarier than Amsterdam. Um, I, well, and Amsterdam is certainly a hub that a lot of uh, international travel goes through. It certainly seems like Bigfoot logic to me, right? So on November thirtieth, the same day, according to CNN, there is a study. The CDC says all vaccinated adults should get a COVID booster shot because of the variant. Despite the fact that CDC and WHO had said days before it would be weeks, granted we're four days past them finding, identifying the variant. They don't know whether the the um, the variant is has um will be covered by the vaccine or not. But they say you can get a booster. Again, remember $3 billion spent by pharmaceuticals on lobbying. Get a booster. That, we don't. That, we don't, couldn't, we don't uh, that couldn't have possibly
1: played a role. $3 billion, you know? These are honest, hardworking people.
0: I'm they're thinking. No one. They They rely, the thing about politicians to remember is they don't know everything and they heavily rely on the street to inform them. But you have to look at the correlation and the narrative. Pfizer has 1.7 billion doses to sell to, to make their 39 billion or 36 billion, whatever the number is, that they reported they made from the vaccine. They got a lot of, fa- of vaccines to move. And boosters are a great way to move them. Despite the fact that everyone is saying it is more mild, um, and there are even some reports that say it might be the perfect Christmas variant because it's mild if you get it, and you're, and especially if you're vaccinated. Um, Because then you'll have immunity from having had the virus, but you won't have the symptoms with Delta, which is much more serious, right? Again, we are not saying COVID's not real. We're not saying don't get vaccinated. We're not saying don't do whatever you think is necessary to keep you and your family safe. Absolutely. that is your call. But the hype around the Omicron virus and the rush to, despite the science saying we don't know yet, it'll be weeks Rush and the push from both Moderna and Pfizer and other companies associated with the profitability of, of selling products that fight COVID to say, get the booster because of Omicron, despite the science say it will be weeks before we know, should be a red flag. You can make your own decision, but should be a red flag. Right. You
1: should make your own decision, but... Follow the money, apply some critical thinking. Right. So
0: on December 8th, right? So this is, today's December 9th. Let's report this. December 8th. Early study, this is a source from the Washington Post. Early study suggests Omicron is formal, but nonstopal. So this is a study that was released by Pfizer and its vaccine partner, Biotech. So what is there? Do you think Pfizer and Biotech would... Put out a study that's pointing to do anything other than get a vaccine.
1: I think that would be highly unlikely.
0: Right. So their agenda those studies. Those studies aren't cheap. How much does it cost to even have a research study done? A, a lot of money. Um, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. So this is a story in the Washington Post, a very credible, respectable newspaper. They're running a story about a study done by Pfizer and. BioNTech, the company that makes the vaccines. It's like writing a study about how sugar is good for you that's created by the U.S. Sugar Association. Which, by the way, has probably happened. So <laughs> okay. what is, We're oh, going down the same road again, with tobacco with the same way. So what, is, what does the study say? The study says a potential path for slowing the Omicron march Booster shots can help control the variant by raising virus-fighting antibodies high enough to block the pathogen. Oh, a study by the vaccine maker says get a booster because the booster, I've already sold you two shots. Now, I'll tell you another fun fact. I have a friend of mine who's a pharmacist and works for a big company. And we were somewhere and he said, hey, Mike, you think I should get a bonus because I made $420,000 for my company doing COVID shots? And I was like, well, that's the symbol of everything's wrong with this. It's, 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 a, everyone's making money. And he goes, what do you mean? He got upset with me. And I said, well, hold on a second. The vaccine's free. So you're not, are not paying you for the vaccine. Government bought the vaccines. Um, I said, is there anything different between how you administer a COVID shot versus a flu shot? And he said, no, I said, there's no more training. There's no more, there's no more, uh, uh, skills or, or, Anything you have to do, it's the same thing. He said, the exact same thing. I go, How much do you charge for a flu shot? He said, eight bucks. So He goes, well, maybe I did a million COVID vaccines. I said, did you? He said, well, no. I go, did you do 420,000 COVID vaccines? He said, no. Go, How many do you do? He said, 4,000. So he administered 4,000 COVID vaccines. And he, in his company, generated $420,000 in profit that was billed to the government from the place where he worked, the pharmacy he works for No more skill needed to deliver a COVID vaccine than a, than the flu vaccine, but he's making an order of magnitude more money. Again, I forget, it's just how, an much, example how much did the uh,
1: pharmaceutical spend on lobbying annually?
0: $3 billion. Oh, that's right, yeah, $3 billion. That's $3 billion. So I'm going to go back to... I'm going to go back to a story on December 1st, which I skipped over, and this is from The Atlantic, again, a publication I love. Omicron's best and worst case scenarios. Doctors from South Africa and Israel have said that cases of Omicron seem to be less serious than Delta so far. Zero cases, zero severe cases or deaths have been reported among the nearly 60 confirmed cases in the European Union, but the data is very limited and prone to bias, right? So it's good they mentioned prone to bias. Fewer than 250 cases have been reported worldwide and the plurality, plurality of them are from South Africa where younger than average populace might be less susceptible to COVID complications in general. So that's actually great points, right? It's giving you clarity and insight into how you need to, to look at this data. It's also why I love the Atlantic. Um, but you have to make your... So this is a very balanced on December 1st. It's telling you it's not that severe, that it's not as severe as dairy, um, there have been no deaths. It's not as severe as Delta where from which there have been deaths. Um, but then again, you've got a hard push from Pfizer and from moderna to get a vaccine because they're trying to sell vaccines. So right.
1: And, and what was the article that you sent me yesterday about Pfizer? How many you don't need how many booster shots do you need according to Pfizer's study?
0: Uh, what did it say? It said you might need up to four.
1: Right. Uh, I think it was three, but still, they had done tests in in research that had not been peer reviewed. So that's another thing to look out for when you're looking at any credible scientist. Before they will announce a study, it has to be peer reviewed to make sure that the the science backing it up is valid. Whenever you see so the other scientists,
0: research, so other scientists say, "Yes, we agree with that." Right. So it's that's just, why science just, works
1: is because it's not just some guy, you know, manipulating data that's science is reviewed by other scientists to make sure that, um, it's legitimate. Um, when you have companies releasing scientific results that are not peer reviewed, you should be a little skeptical.
0: Right. So that's, so, you know, again, make your own decisions about Omicron, make your own decisions about getting a booster or getting vaccinated. That's up to you. Um, I'm not one of the people that think that, um, Someone who doesn't get a COVID vaccine is an anti-vaxer. I think they've made a decision for themselves about the specific vaccine. They probably or might have the mumps or the, you know, the vaccine, the polio vaccine, every other vaccines that are that are been given. Um, we just want to point to that the way the Omicron has been reported and treated has been um, heavily uh, skewed towards supporting the narrative of get a vaccine and who does that benefit. So again, make your own decisions. It's always good if you can do something that we like to call follow the money. Um, It's also important to follow the facts. So- Do we have time to talk about Moderna as an example of follow the money? Why don't you you wrap up with that? Because we are getting close to the end of our time. Sure. Um, So I think a good example of following
1: the money is a little company known as Moderna. You've probably heard of them. They make one of the vaccine variants. Um, what you may not know is before COVID was a thing. Before when COVID was just the twinkle in some scientist's eye, uh, Moderna was a company that was on on the brink of failure. They were they were losing half a billion dollars annually, with only just over a billion dollars in the bank. And and Jaded, we've been at companies in similar situations. What what does that mean for the company if that's their run rate?
0: It means that they're not going to be around for long.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, all you have to do is go back and look at the earnings report from this uh, November 2019, and you can even just read the tone of the press release. Um, if you have an eye for these things, the tone of the press release is like, not good. <laughs> we're, we recognize we're losing too much money, and we're not going to be around much longer. Fast forward to uh, 2020, COVID comes out. The chairman of their board is selected to lead Operation Warp Speed, the task force that developed uh, responsible for developing the vaccines, or working with the pharmaceutical companies to develop the vaccines,
0: right? And that was with the previous administration, which a, a lot of people are suspect of their motivations. Exactly. And
1: he his his uh, selection to lead this uh, was officially announced in May, May fourteenth, I believe. Um, but he had been rumored to be a leader to take this position as early as January. And you can see that reflected in Moderna stock price. So 2019, early January, 2020, Moderna stock price is trading in the neighborhood of $16 to $18 a share. By the time um, his name is Monsef Slowey, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, um, but he, by the time he was announced, that stock price had gone up uh, to $67 a share. Um, so it, you know, somewhere between tripled and quadrupled in just four to five months, um, perhaps partially based on rumors that their, the chairman of their board was going to be selected to lead the task force to develop a vaccine. Now, when you're chairman of the board at a company, um,
0: how are you compensated? David? Well, a big part of your compensation
1: Typically. is a big part of your compensation is stock options for public companies. Correct. Correct. Usually uh, board members don't take a salary or if they do, it's very minimal, but they do receive compensation in the form of stock options. Um, and the the way stock options work is they, they have a strike price. So the stock has to be above a certain amount before you can even recognize any value from, um, from that stock. Uh, do you happen to know what uh, this the this, this strike price was for Monsef?
0: I don't, I do not, but we can look that up.
1: Well, it was about, uh, he had a few different grants. So he had some at $11 a share, some at $14 a share. So in January, when the stock was trading at $16, $18 a share, his stock options would have been worth about 90 grand. Not entirely chump change, but not like changing money either. Um, by the time that his his position was announced in May, and the stock had gone up to sixty seven dollars a share, guess how much that those same stock options were worth just based on the increase in that short four month
0: time frame. And how much? Eight to ten million dollars. Now fast forward to today. What's what is Moderna making per quarter
1: on COVID? Two billion in profit on about uh, just under $5 billion in revenue. So they have gross margins in the neighborhood of 50%. They're raking in $2.3 billion per quarter just in profits, almost entirely driven by the COVID vaccine, which happened to be developed in part by a task force of which the former chairman of the board was a leader.
0: And so if you look at... Um, the I think we cited two articles from the CEO of Moderna. They certainly have a vested interest in having people get vaccinated, which I think is great. I think they also have a, a, an interest in pushing for boosters, which I think is probably right for some people. I think, um, I think they opportunistically use the Omicron variant as a way to push their agenda. And I think that's the sad part about this. I think a lot of companies and people use the Omicron variant, which might or might not be as transmissible which might or might not be um, able to evade vaccines which might or might not um, have serious uh, effects as a as a variant of covid um, and they're using it for their agenda so I think that's that's the point of this is I think people were t- getting fatigued with the delta news created create an opportunity um, it was certainly interesting that it came out it was found in south Africa that led to a narrative that cause bans in South Africa, even though the WHO said don't do that. Um, it was later found to be in Europe, although there have been no bans to Europe um, since that. So I think you should look at the narrative. And I think it's it's just important for people to have the facts to understand who wins, who generate who who benefits from certain narratives playing out the way they are. Um, the media for all of the good things they do, they also chase the money. They're, they're making more money when there's articles on COVID and when there's articles that, that scare you because you're going to go back and look for more articles that, that as you're looking to feel not scared, that you're looking to have hope and be relieved. Um, so I think it's a cycle. It's a cycle that that is unfortunate that we're in today. So I think that's about all the time we have for today's episode. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, this is the, the first episode. So if there's things you think you can do differently, let us know. Any final thoughts? Abel?
1: Uh, the the only final thought I have is uh, you mentioned sad. I think the one thing that's sad to me is that all of this erodes trust in institutions that we should be able to trust. I uh, think, if I you think, think, yeah. You yeah. know, if you, you should be able to trust the news, you should be able to trust that a vaccine is a vaccine developed with your best interests in mind. Um, and I think an analogy is, is the weather, you know, even the weather has been sensationalized recently, like in the past few years, like every storm is the storm of the century. And, then you get a few inches of snow and you're like, well, I don't trust the weather guy anymore. And I think a similar thing is happening with more much more important issues such as vaccines and everything we just talked about today. And that's sad. Like that's not, it's not a great place for our country to be in.
0: It's not, but it goes back to what we said in the initial conversation is watch when when news outlets use inflammatory phrase and words, storm of the century, um, deadly virant, variant, our variant, whatever variant is. But um, just be careful, just listen for those inflammatory things that are, that are meant to cut through your logical center and go right to your emotional center. Um, so I think this wraps up this first episode on, on what we think is some bit of logic being applied to the variant, prom um, variant specifically. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks
1: everyone. Both signing out.
0: Thanks for joining us
1: today on this episode of Bigfoot Logic. We hope that we help inform you and provide you with some of the tools you need to make your own informed decisions and see what is really influencing the news.
0: We hope you now have some tools and some information to make your own informed decisions. Again, we're not trying to tell you what to think. We're trying to show that there might be someone out there trying to influence your perceptions and how you're internalizing the news you see today. Let us know what you think of this podcast, this episode, and if there's topics you'd like us to investigate and discuss, please let us know. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave a review. Those are always helpful. And We'll talk to you next time on Big Bit Logic.